The following is a fourth-hand production. Life is a mystery. Confusion is all around us. The truth is out there, but you won't find it here. Welcome to Hysteria 51. Come inside our secret hideaway as we talk conspiracy theories, mysteries, and the unexplained. All viewed through sceptical eyes and the blurry lens of a beer bottle. Now, here are your hosts, Brent Hand and John Goforth. Welcome back in Hysteria Nation to a seriously twisted edition of Hysteria 51. I think it's going to be a killer episode, Oh, God. Did you have to? (laughs) Didn't have to. I did it for you. I knew they were coming. I just didn't think they'd be coming this early. We are the podcast recommended by four out of five 1940s doctors. Yes, according to this repeated nationwide survey, more doctors listen to Hysteria 51 than any other podcast. See, I told you, there was the proof. I didn't know we were so popular so far before we were born, so that's awesome. Yeah, well, that goes back to the time travel episode. That's true. What was I thinking? Broadcasting from our secret Hysteria hideaway in the lower fourth dimension, otherwise known as Chicago. I am your host, John Goforth. Alongside with me is my co-captain on this cruise, Brent Booze and Acting Work Hand. Brent, they say Jeffrey Dahmer got most of his victims to his place by offering booze and acting or modeling work. Uh, I've noticed that you've done that more than once and talked about that more than once on this very show. I'm just saying, is there something you'd like to tell us? Hey, if it works, it works. I'm not really into necrophilia or, you know, cannibalism, but do what you got to do. Yeah. How do you think I got conspiracy bot to be part of the show? I didn't build him. He was just <laughs> rolling down the street. I'm like, hey, you want some booze? Rolling down the streets of Berwyn with a yeah. really long electrical cord as behind him. As a, as a robot is one to do. <laughs> In Berwyn, right. <laughs> well, speaking of that third wheel of the show, he's powered up and chomping at the bit. Conspiracy bot. I too am fond of booze and acting work as an enticer because Brent programmed me, and as we've learned, the spoiled, rotten, and evil apple doesn't fall far from the asshole. Uh, I'm not sure that's how the saying goes, but uh, thanks for scaring everyone, myself included. Finally, today, we are joined by another actual, real professional, Brent. We're on a roll. Yeah, I mean... We had a real professional, then we had a real socialist... (laughs) <laughs> we did, we did. In, in Fresh Hour, and now we're back to professionals. All right. Who, who um, about it? So he's actually an award-winning sports talk radio host, and also a successful purveyor of an Etsy store specializing in Golden Girls-themed macrame. It is fantastic. Although... Sold out a lot, unfortunately. Yeah, well, I mean, he's a busy guy. <laughs> Bob the Bulldog Fesco. Bob, uh, thanks for joining the show. Thanks Ta- for having me. I appreciate it. This is going to be a lot of fun. Tell us, why Bulldog? Well, it was uh, it was a nickname that was given to me back in Ot One. Uh, we go back to the uh, the days of yesteryear. Oh, the Ots. The Ots. You remember the Ots? They were really good. Like the the Ots were probably the best decade of my life, and I'm not just saying that. That's because that's before I knew my wife, so that's when they were so good. But um, it was a situation in which the uh, the Kansas City Royals were playing a baseball game when they were bad. And um, I got after one of the players. I think it was Luis Alisea at the time. And I just asked him one time after a game. I said, do you really want to be here playing baseball? Because you sure don't play like you do. And that kind of you know, took over. And uh, one of the guys that I work with gave me that nickname. And that's been that. <laughs> All right. It makes a lot more sense now. Uh, who doesn't have a good Luis Alisea story? I mean, yeah. And then you see him every once in a while as like a third base coach now for somebody. I'm like, that guy was a total dog when he was here. 
So, Bob, uh, you said the aughts were the best decade uh, of your life. I will also point out that is the first decade in which uh, you met me. That That is true. And that's part of the reason why it has become one of the best decades of my life. When I'm ranking like lifetime events, you know, which I, I do f- fairly often now, <laughs> uh, things things that are very important in my life. They always say when you get married and when you have kids, those are the two best moments of your life. Best moment of my life was January of 07 when I approached a portly Lions fan in St. Louis <laughs> and we became friends ever since. Uh, that's executive cut. I'll oh, thank you very much. <laughs> you say portly lions fan in st louis and unfortunately everybody that knows us will know that you are talking about me because that really description doesn't go for almost anyone else in st louis that is true probably the portly does i mean most people in that town are overweight and will have diabetes before they're 30 and they've married their cousin who lives on the same block as them but other than that they're not lions fans they're only cardinal baseball fans and that's about it considering they can't support the NFL in that trash dump of a city. <laughs> I'm going to give you diabetes. Oh, so you listen to my show because we only play that like, I don't know, once an hour. Good morning. <laughs> I'm Wilford Brimley and I'm here to talk to you today about diabetes. <laughs> in the last episode, Conspiracy Bot played a clip of Wilford Brimley talking about how he wants you to have <laughs> diabetes. And I like the Wilford Brimley clip from Family Guy where he goes, hi, I'm Wilford Brimley and I have diabetes and I just hit my wife. And who the hell did I hit? I'm not even married. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Bob, thanks again for joining us to talk about kind of a a creepy subject. Jeffrey Lionel Dahmer. He's one of the few serial killers that they don't really go by his middle name. Yeah, most of of them them do. Right. You're right. right. Like John Wayne Gacy and, you know, guys like that. Albert Edward Einstein. You know, you got all those serial killers from back (laughs) in the day that do use multiple names. John Wayne Gacy is another guy like that who, you know, uses multiple names. But I didn't know his name was Lionel. The only Lionel I know is Lionel Richie. Like that name, another Lionel that anybody knows walking around. So it was very odd as uh, as I was going through Wikipedia, much like I can see by the script of the show you did as well. <laughs> I saw the name Lionel pop up for him, and I didn't know that before. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you another Lionel. The train set. That's a good one, Lionel. Lionel. Good- and Lionel, that? if you're a Thundercats fan. Thundercats! I like that. Wasn't there a Lionel that was on, like... Uh, like an '80s bad sitcom. I'm back sure in the day. there was because that was a that that just sounds like an '80s name. Yeah, Lionel. I, I can't tell you what show, but I'm willing to bet there was more than one. I the, bet there was. Yeah, BJ and the Bear. He was the sidekick <laughs> or something. You know, like, something terrible. All right, but before we get any further into JLD, let's talk what we're drinking. You say it's a lexicon of libations. We call it a bulletin of booze. Either way, we're all getting pissed. Here's this week's Spirit Selections. I will start this little shindig off by saying not only am I drinking trusty, rusty Bud Light, I am incredibly excited by the time this airs, it's already old news, but the Super Bowl's coming up. And Bud Light is dusting off the old Spuds McKenzie, and they're having a Spuds McKenzie Super Bowl commercial. I just heard that today. I was yeah. talking to one of the, the the parents of my my daughter, and, and there's like, you know, Spuds McKenzie is coming back for the Super Bowl. I'm like, that's awesome. Apparently, he's coming back as a ghost. Yes. So voiced by none other than Carl Weathers. Show in the near future. Yeah. Voiced by Carl Weathers, Chubbs himself. Good now, deal. I like that. And they are bringing back Lifestyles, uh, Robin Leach, oh. to voice the commercial because he originally voiced 
the very first Spuds McKenzie commercial. I'm Robin Leach. I don't know. I can't. That's do really it. usually the best part about the Super Bowl is to see what they roll out creative wise for the commercials because nobody cares about the game. Have you guys ever met an Atlanta Falcons fan before? For two weeks, we've been looking for a real live Atlanta Falcons fan. They don't exist. They really don't. Do you know anybody that's an Atlanta Falcons fan? You go, man, that guy's a diehard Falcon fan. No, no, but everyone is this weekend. I'm not. I want Tom Brady and, and the Patriots to win, hands down. He, yeah, but he you, finally wins this fifth Super Bowl. They, the ESPNs of the world can knock it off with their hot take topic of, is Tom Brady the best of all time? Like, what's ESPN going to do if he wins this? The answer is absolutely yes right now, and it makes it even oh. more of a yes if they win the Super Bowl on Sunday, and then ESPN's got nothing to talk feelings. about. But in, in defense of everyone else, you are a contrarian in general. Um, so uh, when you say that you're, I you're am not, when you say that you're rooting for the Patriots, I would offer that a majority of the country is not rooting for the Patriots. But I don't know that they're rooting for the Falcons. No, they're, you're right. You're right. They're rooting for the not, not Patriots. Patriots. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's fine. I mean, I, mean I, I like dominance. I think the, the dominating factor that they've had is pretty big, you know, over the years, obviously. And I'd like to see it keep going because Tom Brady and Derek Jeter are the two most perfect men that have ever existed. <laughs> Every man wants to be them. It is, I mean it a is, man that doesn't want to be one or the other. Uh, I would not like to be either one of them. Oh, you're full of it, man. You are so <laughs> full of it. Dating supermodels, millionaires captain for the Yankees, winning Super Bowls with the Patriots. How could you not want to be either one of those guys as a male? I will have you know that they are married to other people and dating, uh, well, he's married to Giselle and uh, I don't know who Jeter's with. I am married to a wonderful woman named Stacy, and I would not change a thing about that. I love you, my dear. Bob, she, does, <laughs> she, she listens to the show. Okay. I know. That's what I'm saying. Edit that part out. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking so, of the Super Bowl, uh, I, I I am drinking a beer uh, this evening in honor of the Super Bowl. Uh, I went with d- the diesel mm-hmm. uh, Budweiser because you deserve what every individual should enjoy regularly. And I will say it doesn't even say America on it. It's back to Budweiser. It's back to Budweiser. In honor of AB, I, I'm not a huge consumer nowadays of of Budweiser, Bud Light, you know, kind of the, mm-hmm. the lighter beers. I'm more of an IPA guy, more of a craft beer guy. But they by far, I, I not only dominate the Super Bowl year after year after year from an advertising perspective. To me, uh, Super Bowl advertising isn't where it is without them. I mean, no, they, they, they no really raised, raised the game in, in, in that in that regard. So, yeah, uh, I'm drinking a diesel and uh, I, and I will be rooting for the Falcons <laughs> as I have a significant amount of money behind it. <laughs> well, and, and I think Budweiser, too, this year is coming in so strong with their commercial about how their founder, Adolphus Bush, yeah. arrived in the United States. Yep, saw I know that. there are a lot of people that are thinking it's a shot at the current regime, but let's be honest, this was made before the ban. So, I mean, this commercial has nothing to do with that, but it was it was a great commercial. And you know what? I feel like drinking a bud, and this bud's for you. You know, that's you that's a really good point. That everyone's making, having a shit fit on social media about that commercial. There's there's no doubt that was produced before the uh, uh, before though, the election. True, though it was still a hot button topic before the the current ban. Though when this, who knows what's going to be in the news by the time this this episode airs. And by the way, if you are a time traveler and. And by chance, the Patriots are going to win. Please come back and let me know that before 515 tomorrow so I can go <laughs> ahead and put some money on the other side of That's it. That's right. So, Bob, what are you working Patriots with over there? Win. What you drinking? I am drinking a LaCroix sparkling lime water today. I'm enjoying that because since the first of the year, I've stopped drinking beer. But then you pour in the stuff called vodka and it makes your drink so much better than anything else. <laughs> 
LaCroix was something that I remember as a kid. And then I, I, I don't remember hearing about it for years. And now it's all over the place again. Yeah, it's making a comeback because Costco's carrying it now, and anybody who's who's got a brain shops at Costco, so they see it there and they purchase it, and that spawned off other flavors. And if you make it in a big Yeti cup, it's a nice <laughs> drink to carry around, and the parents don't know you're drinking at the basketball. So game. what you're saying is your your Lacroix is as cold as scientifically possible right now. It really is. It's ice cold. It's delicious. <laughs> Very. Hola, David. Me, I'm a Brent. Bonjour, uh, Brent. Je m'appelle David. You didn't do Spanish. I thought if we were going to do this together, we'd do the same language. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that's uh, that's on brand for us. I, that, I I just thought romance languages yeah. was the key. Everything I say is romantic, and that is thanks to Rosetta Stone. <laughs> you guys, we, we've been touting these things forever. We love Rosetta Stone, and we actually are users. David, you've really been using it even for longer than I. What's your experience been like? Oh, it's been great. The thing is, uh, you really get to learn how to speak and think in that language with it. So it's very high on pronunciation too. So <laughs> you can, you know, learn how to speak. And you know, our show is all about proper pronunciation. <laughs> in that pronunciation. Yeah, that's right. But it's, it, they design it for long-term retention, you know, it, and yeah. uh, if you don't get the pronunciation right, you, you say it until you do. And then, you know, that, that just seeps into your head. Well, and that's why, you know, this has been trusted by experts for 30 years and, there's over 25 different languages that you can learn and people, millions and millions of users use it because like you said, it does seep in and you're using it with, you know, you get speech recognition and mm-hmm. it, it hears you. You get to use like the built-in true accent features that gives you this pronunciation, which is super convenient and you can do it at your own time. And I don't know if you can know this, but I'm all about value and you get a one-time purchase, 25 languages. If I learned all 25 languages, I'd be so confused. Or really cool. <laughs> I have to go in and out. But you'd be real marketable. But literally, though, this is something that we use, and we have both of us have given the seal of approval because we want to do this long term, and uh, it's something that uh, it works, you know. And we don't yeah. we don't do long term um, stuff like this, and this is this is the one that we've chosen, and we love it. So, all you guys got to do don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now, as we've told you a thousand times, and it's always now, right now. Get now. started. For Larry, limited time, his Air 51 listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. How much? 50%. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your unnatural life. Wow. Redeem, redeem, redeem. How do they do it? Rashate, you're oh. 50% off. <laughs> Rashate. <laughs> redeem it. 50% off rosettastone.com slash today. Do it today. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when Brent and I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, we thought, man, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. Brent is trying to plan right now and says that it works like a charm from Chicago to Nashville as he makes his big old move. Mint Mobile is working for him. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network, 
And you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. So ditch the overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash hysteria. That's mintmobile, M-I-N-T-M-O-B-I-L-E dot com slash hysteria, H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash hysteria. $45 upfront payment required. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Refreshing on a hot summer day like today. With with <laughs> vodka in it, it's less filling and tastes great. Exactly. Now, what, what is exactly. you're in Kansas City, Kansas-ish area, right? Where are you right now? I, I am in Overland Park, Kansas right so what's now. The, what's the weather? What's your tip? Um, when is this episode airing? <laughs> like three weeks uh, from now. It won't be yeah, far it's, off. It's about 40 degrees outside right yeah. now. What were we, 28 when we asked earlier, I think? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so. Yeah, All right. Before we move on, conspiracy bot, what is in your cup? I mixed up some formaldehyde and Jägermeister because of the deer blood in Jäger. Dude, that shit is not true. There is no... <laughs> that- they, they dispelled that in like 97 conspiracy. No, 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 no. I pour the deer blood in myself. <laughs> <laughs> Point taken. Uh, speaking of our current regime and sticking with the show, we're going into hysteria hype this evening. Each week we delve into our weird headspace, open up the drawer marked freaky shit, and pull out a mysterious morsel you just have to try. It's time for hysteria hype. Everyone knows that if you want to really get your point across, you need to back yourselves, align yourself with people that are have their their fingers on the pulse of the nation and and respectable organizations. ACLU, someone that when they see you with them, you know they've got a logo that you recognize, right? They got colors you can recognize, and I couldn't think of anyone more fitting that than the insane clown posse with their hatchet man logo and their FBI distinction as a loosely tied gang. <laughs> um, they are planning their posse. Direct quote: There is planning a juggalo march on Washington. Saturday, September 16th, 2017. That's a long time in the future. I will give them credit for being a a fairly less than responsible group uh, <laughs> to, to plan something that far out. I mean, I can't tell you what I'm doing in September of this year. Tell well, you I mean, good things take a lot of planning. I mean, how, how often do you have to plan in advance for a wedding or something like that? If you really want to march to have an effect... Let everybody book their flights, you get know, a cheaper airfare right now. Get that's that thing exactly taken care of. right. And you know how long it takes to get the kind of whippets it's going to require oh, yeah. <laughs> for a city to have at that point in time. You know, you need that kind of time. You've got to have that kind of time. man. I, I was looking at the schedule last night. Somebody said, let's go to dinner soon. And like, we're not free until the uh, end of March on a weekend. My and wife like, and I, we go through that. This stuff yes. Out. Someone will be like, hey, you want to get together some weekend? Like, how, what's your August look like? It's yeah. Like, Shit. So... Now, this I actually found interesting with this little Juggalo March. So I, I said that they're distinguished by the FBI as a gang. That is true. So if you're a huge ICP's fan and you have the Hatchet Man tattoo on you and you get arrested, it is immediately gang affiliation and you can lose your children. You can lose your job. It's a felony. All because of that distinction. All because you listen to this music, Conspiracy Bot. It's I'm steady staring at your sister I'll tell you this You know for a 
I mean, John had his tattoo covered up. He's no longer a hatchman. He has a sticker on his vehicle, but uh, he's not as big of a fan as he used to be. My my clown car? Yes. <laughs> the, the tattoo that says, I love Bob, you cover it up. We vowed to never cover up the tattoos of our love for each other. What the hell? <laughs> he, he covers up his love with you with Stacy, his beard. <laughs> he, he used to cover up his love for me with a blanket, but not anymore. <laughs> That's true. You know what? I am going to give hysteria hype this week. I'm going to give this... Uh, one out of five face paintings, because good for them for trying. I think this is just going to be a laughable effort. I feel like in this hysteria hype, I less learned about the march and more learned about this is a real mistake having two people that have known me for a long time on the same show. <laughs> I'm going to regret. I already regret this. I'm very honored. What are we talking about? The killer. <laughs> Perfect timing. Dynamic segue, Bob. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we can tell you're an audio professional. <laughs> if that's what you want to call it, you know, professional. Yeah. Tonight, Jeffrey Dahmer. So, John, why don't you give us a little Reader's Digest pitch on JLD, as you called him earlier. I like that. I don't know if anyone's ever referred to him as JLD before. You Nor shall they in the future, you, but for right now. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> We're sticking with it. 15 or no. Fuck. How long has it been? Uh, uh, 25 years later? 94. All right, I thought it was 92. Anyway. Well, he, oh, he died in 94. I'm oh, sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So. Jeff- I thought you were, you know, pouring one out for your homie there with your, how long has it been? No, I, I, he, he is, in fact, not my homie. Not anymore. He's dead, but keep going. Jeffrey Lionel Dahmer, born May 21st, 1960, died November 28th, 1994. Also known as the Milwaukee Cannibal, was an uh, an American it rolls right off the tongue. Yeah, it, it does. It does. Well, they do eat a lot of encased meats in Milwaukee. <laughs> I'm just saying. And cheese, light beer, and all the women are fat and smoke cigarettes. Milwaukee <laughs> and Wisconsin are like the. If you're not, if you're fat, you eat cheese, tubed meats, and smoke cigarettes and drink light beer. You fit in in Wisconsin. That's your turf. That's Bob Fesco. <laughs> Fesco. <laughs> it's true. Go up there. Check out all the broads. They're all, they're all about 20 bills overweight, smoking a butt, drinking light beer, and pounding cheese curds. It's That's perfect. It's a wonderful actually, place. That actually sounds like me, except for only 20 pounds overweight. So I'm a catch in middle. Did, who knew? Uh, did we mention this is a national show, Bob? Uh, <laughs> Our friends in Milwaukee, we love you. Uh, we don't believe a I thing. I do love Milwaukee, though. It is a lot of fun up there, man. If you go up, you ever get up there? You guys are like 90 minutes away yeah, from no, Milwaukee. It's a yeah. Quick Amtrak train up. If you call a concert, he'll come pick you up and take you right now. I'll give his number out. It's 847. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, in fact, this year, fans, listeners, we are most likely, assuming they do it again, going to be at the Milwaukee Paranormal Conference. I think it'll be in October. Uh, they're yet to announce the exact date. It was, but, that's uh, a guess. It was last year, but yeah. We, we are planning to attend that. So a lot of people anticipating the release date of that convention, I can imagine. It's, yeah, it's palpable. Yeah. If you've ever wanted to touch John Goforth, now's your chance. I've touched him enough. <laughs> <laughs> but the listeners at home have not. That's yet. right. They can come meet you. That's now true. back to the necrophilia and cannibalism, John. <laughs> he was an American serial killer and sex offender who committed the rape, murder, and dismemberment of 17 men and boys between 1978 and 1991. Many of his later murders in- involved necrophilia, cannibalism, and permanent preservation of body parts, typically all or part of the skeletal structure. You know, they say the Native Americans used all of their kill, so maybe it was just really in tune with, you know, First Nation. You know, it's funny you say that. 
uh, when he was being interviewed by the mustached gentleman, the cop, the co- the, with the best seventies porn yeah, stash. I say that because yeah. everyone knows who I'm talking yeah, about from the trial. Yep, right, absolutely. Uh, when he was interviewing him, he said, "Maybe I was just born too late. Uh, maybe I was an Aztec because." In his mind, Aztecs did things very similar to what he yeah, did. Like mummifying penises and having sex with children. Yeah, of That's course. exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> they all also longed for a smooth oh, torsos. <laughs> exactly right. Although diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, schizotypal personality disorder, and a psychotic disorder, Dahmer was found to be legally sane at his trial. Convicted of 15 of the 16 murders he had committed in Wisconsin... Dahmer was sentenced to 15 terms of life imprisonment on February 15th, 1992. He was later sentenced to a 16th term of life imprisonment for an additional homicide committed in Ohio in 1978. On November 28th, 1994, Dahmer was beaten to death by a man named Christopher Scarver, a fellow inmate at the Columbia Correctional institution. What a sad, sad way to go. We haven't even gotten into the details, and I'm already disgusted and exhausted. Well, it, it really is. I mean, you, you think about what he was able to do for that period of time over all those years, and his grandmother's like living upstairs, and all of this stuff is going on in her house, and you wonder how nobody knew, how nobody figured anything out, and how it, it, it got to that. I mean, you look at all these serial killers over the years, and you, and you wonder, how did nobody think that there was something wrong with that guy. Like another one that you should do sometime is that BTK killer oh, yeah, from down absolutely. in Wichita, Kansas, who was he's 17 years, basically free. He was a town was Cub Scout leader working for the church, like a mailman, the dog catcher, all of that. And he would go in and kill these people. And nobody ever once thought he was nuts, man. Mm-hmm. And then you look back on these guys, they're all whacked out of their and, mind. And, and you can tell right away. And in this story, like you're going to find, they were, they were so close to catching him so many times. And he just slips through fingers. Well, and, yeah. and we'll get into the cop stuff. And we'll talk all about that and, and how he slipped through the cracks. The what You mentioned his grandma. I, I That part is one of the most striking things to me. We'll talk about the details of that. <laughs> My grandma knew if I smelled like smoke from three days before. Like, What's that racket? Why do you have a mannequin? <laughs> like he's, yeah. li- he's literally dismembering bodies in the basement. Oh well, and I know that's a weird smell, but we'll just ignore it. Like my, my- Jeffrey, <laughs> did you wash your ass today? <laughs> have you guys seen? I think it's a public service announcement that runs on TV, and the fat kid's drinking soda on his computer, and he calls the the house phone, and his grandmother answers, and he goes, "Grandma, I need another orange soda." And the grandmother goes, okay, dear. And she walks the orange soda, and it's like, get your kids outside to play. And I call <laughs> grandma for another orange soda. Like that, that's Jeffrey Dahmer in the making. If your grandson is in the house, and he's calling you to go get him an orange soda, Call somebody. Get him committed. He's got issues. Bob. Now we live in a society where, oh, no, 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 we can't have issues. You know, everybody's their own individual person and whatnot. Man, that's a problem, man. If the kid's calling grandma to fetch him soda, something deeper, man, something deeper. Bob, now that we have you on the record, are you calling out the soft drink industry for creating (laughs) serial killers? No, I am not calling out anybody for creating serial killers. I'm calling out people to recognize that if somebody is that warped in the mind, whether it's for you know an orange soda or those those crappy dates that you like stuff with goat cheese, you need to get somebody <laughs> on this. I mean, you, you need to notify somebody. Mom, hot packet, hot packet. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly right. Like another hot pocket, ma. You know, ma. Yeah. I well, need a cheesy poop. You know, get off your like, ass and get uh, it yourself. Your opinion, man. All right. Well, let's delve into what actually made him a murderer. So he was actually born in West Allen. It's kind of funny. 
people some people say Milwaukee, some people say West Alice. I'll say West Alice, Wisconsin. Yeah. 1960. First of two sons to Joyce and Lionel Herbert Dahmer. That's where your Lionel comes from. So I guess we now know two Lionels. That's fun. Is that a common thing uh, in families to take your um, first name and give it? And I've make heard it the, of that I, enough that, I mean, I don't know how common, but it's not uncommon. Well, I'm named after my father. He was Robert Andrew. I'm Robert Joseph. Joseph was my mother's brother who had passed away in a, he was working in an ammunitions plant and blew up and he was 21 years old. So you're not a junior, away but same first, so, yeah. So I, I mean, I'm named. I'm, I'm the third. I'm named literally after my father. I get that. I it's I I have never heard of the first name becoming the middle name in the next one. But uh, whatever. Yeah. Uh, different strokes. So that's, that's just walking. That's just how you do it when you're trying to make a serial killer. That's all. That's right. So Joyce was a teletype instructor. Lionel, at the time when he was born, was in college. He was actually going after his PhD in chemistry. So you gotta. You gotta imagine he was a barrel of laughs at the fucking party. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, he was he, he was the guy you really wanted to be invited to that party. He was bringing heat and bringing hot chicks. I'm telling you from the chemistry lab. They said he's a young boy. He was very outgoing. He had lots of friends. Now this is in Wisconsin when he was really young. His mother, on the other hand, was tense, greedy for attention from him, from her husband. She'd lash out at people, whether it's a father, neighbors, anyone. And she. she- she also uh, would go through spells where she would just lay in bed and say she was weak. And at the time, she was on a lot of drugs. She goes, hot pocket! <laughs> <laughs> she, she, really, she was, though. She was on a lot of drugs. I mean, there's varying reports on which drugs, whether it be Xanax, whether it be Valium, whether Not it be... Not the fun drugs, the the, the prescription drugs the, that she was the, abusing. Well, the fun prescription drugs. Well, I guess yeah, so. yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, uh, but she was on and multiple types at, at the same time. Yeah. So she was kind of pilled out. She 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 had her issues. Now here's this is a kind of a point of contention. A lot of people come up there. At age four, Jeff had surgery for a double hernia, and his parents noted. And this is kind of funny because they one thing that when you look into this case, his father videotaped him as a young kid a lot. There is a ton of video. There's a ton of pictures. They. At least as far as that goes, they were very well, I mean, ahead for, of the times. For their for their faults as parents, it, I mean, you're not talking about the typical serial killer upbringing. No, these people they, were, he wasn't, they were doting on him correct. and they were, were home, you know, and taking care of him. Right. So he had a double hernia surgery at four and his parents noted an actual change in his personality. They, they had talked about, even at that time, seemed to affect him. It, he became noticeably subdued. And he wasn't Not as outgoing. outgoing. Yeah, yeah. But then that's also around the time that they relocated to Doylestown, which is just a horrific name. Doylestown, Ohio. That's in 1966. Joyce was pregnant with their second child at that time. So it's kind of a double whammy. He's, and when he's they, sick. He's acting subdued. He loses all his friends. Right. They, they relocate. He loses all of his friends. And to actually to help him, I, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know, I don't, I don't know, to help him feel better, to 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 bring him out of his shell, uh, because he had just lost all his friends and had to relocate, they said, why don't you name your new brother? Which I guess, you know, they, they had saw that he was upset. They I guess they wanted him to have something to to cling to in the family. So he came up with David, who it's a normal name. I don't know. You normally hear the stories of like, they let the six year old name the dog and it comes out with a name like pockets. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I, I, I don't know that I trust my six year old to name a, a, an actual human being, but you know, whatever. 
So, you know, could you imagine being that age and being uprooted? I mean, that's got to suck. I mean, it really does. I mean, and that's going to change your entire life, taken from what you know. And, you know, being at that age and now being a, a father, you worry about your kids having friends and being, you know, you, I don't want to say the cool kid, but being somebody that the other kids want to hang out with and, and be around. And if you uproot your kids from that, kids mm-hmm. are so rotten, it's hard to make new friends. And so you took him away from that. He had to find something to do, so he killed animals, you know? Well, I, yeah, listen, I was uprooted more than Dahmer was. I, 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 I changed... I, exactly my point. <laughs> We're not talking about, you know, the tell you what, individual. In we don't check there. his crawl space. That's all I'm saying. That's exactly we right. We don't go down there. Hey, you're a new friend. Ooh, fun. I'll be the mommy. <laughs> so that same year that they move, Lionel gets his PhD and he becomes a chemist. And that has an effect also, too, because he's gone more now. He's 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 working late. He's going to rip roaring chemistry parties. I don't know. All those chemistry junkies that are uh Floozies, I guess, that, you, that comes with that. You're talking about the, the chemistry groupies that follow him around? Yeah, exactly. Man, like, chicks oh. love to check out dudes' Bunsen burners. I'll tell you, that's a big, big deal. I want to taste like his periodic burners. table. Mm. <laughs> they go to this new house. They notice a smell underneath the porch. The dad goes down and finds an animal dead has died underneath the porch. So he's pulling the bones out. This is kind of funny because they actually remember this. This is something his dad talked about. And he said Jeffrey was literally interested in like the clinging sound and like the way the sounds the bones made when they 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 clinged into one another. And that started, and his dad said at the time, was a he thought just a childlike wonderment obsession with death animals, though. Like, oh, they thought maybe he's gonna grow up to be a vet. <laughs> it didn't exactly well, turn out that uh, way, but another uh, right around that time, they're having dinner. They brought like a rotisserie chicken home, or maybe they uh, maybe they baked a chicken, yeah. whatever. Uh, they're finishing it up, and you know uh, the chicken carcass is sitting there on the on the table. And how the hell were they going to get a pre-made rotisserie chicken in, in the nineteen sixty six? Okay, so they baked the motherfucker. Whatever. I mean, they, just, you, you, nobody they didn't have Costco with hens for four ninety nine and a grocery <laughs> store for six ninety five. I mean, nobody's making a nobody's bringing home a rotisserie, rotisserie chicken in nineteen sixty five. He's being very specific because he's such so in love with Costco. You're living in a world where oh, he's going to get a rotisserie chicken and bring it home and put the bones in formaldehyde. That mother was home working, <laughs> and cooking that chicken all day. So she slaved over the stove and cooked this chicken. Regardless. Right. This, the carcass is sitting on the table, mm-hmm. and you it, would be a terrible 1960s liver. My God, that's oh, true. Let's just go get that's a rotisserie true. chicken. That's I bet true. they didn't even have rotisserie chicken back. You then. know, you bring up a good point. I could never, as Stephen King had James Franco do, I could never travel back to the 60s and save uh, JFK. There you go. Yeah. Why not? Uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> As you just pointed out, I don't understand things like the lack of rotisserie chicken. The point yeah. is they're eating this chicken and Jeffrey inquires about the bones and hey, can we can we do something with these bones? Can he, we what would happen if we put them in bleach? Yes, what can we bleach them? And his dad got all excited that they wanted to bleach mm-hmm. that he wanted to bleach the bones like uh, number 1 there's a chemistry aspect to that, number 2 yep. he's interested in something. Yeah. And so his dad's like helping him out. <laughs> and they go ahead and bleach the bones and yeah. bake them off. And-, and Jeffrey actually said that was at that time. So when they moved to the new town, when they moved there, they had about 2 acres of wooded land behind their house. And that started his infatuation with these animals. So he would actually go out and find roadkill and take it home and dissect it and would like scatter the bones and collect the bones and do shit like that. He was just fascinated. And that was boyish wonderment. There was nothing like, I mean, that's not normal, but there was nothing too nefarious till around puberty time. 
So he claims, Dahmer himself claimed that his compulsion towards necrophilia and murder became around age 14. A lot of people say it appears that the breakdown of his parents' marriage and their, their divorce a few years later had been the catalyst of turning into those actions. So who knows? Puberty unleashes a lot of shit and so does hatred among your parents. But, you know, I've never been like, man, my parents are yelling so much, I'm going to go fuck a stiff. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's, but you know what? Far be it for me to judge somebody. Well, I mean, he was he was fucked up early. Like, I mean, he's yeah. in high school going to school with cups of gin. Like, yeah, the guy was drunk at school all the time. Yeah, he, and he was telling people it was his medicine. Yeah, they, now they, that's the, that's what I say now to my kids. It's my medicine, <laughs> but you know, man, good lord. The, the, his dad, looking back, his parents said, or his dad said, he thought that they they coped with things by medicine. But you're right; he would stop by a friend's house every morning, fill up a cup, and just be pounding scotch, you know, throughout the day. I didn't even you couldn't even go and get a glass of water. When I was in school, meanwhile he's drinking fucking scotch or whatever. You and what is that teacher about. doing? Like, how do, how does that teacher not know that's gin, happening? Gin was the other one. Yeah, just and who just drinks a glass of gin? Well, again, you're you're thinking of nowadays terms. Back in the fifties, I mean, the teachers had no idea probably what that kind of stuff was. Booze, I don't think, was as prominent. You know, to, then well, this as, is this is this is nineteen sixty five, nineteen sixty six. I don't think it's that crazy for a teacher. To well, know this time it's in the seventies, like because he's in. The oh, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, nineteen seventy five, nineteen seventy six, where you just didn't do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, the worst thing you did was put a tack on somebody's seat in school. You know. <laughs> Which, by the way, did you ever do that? No, no. And now you would be sued and in jail. And yeah, I feel like your perception of I feel like your perception of everything before you were born is kind of rooted in what you've seen on uh, Leave it to Beaver and things of that nature. At least I I have a grasp for that. Not like you thinks the rotisserie (laughs) chicken was popular. (laughs) So he's also the class clown and he made people laugh at him. People weren't laughing with him. They're laughing at him. But they they said like he did other things. He was very intelligent. Well, he's that very guy. intelligent. He's that guy that's kind of weird in high school. But everyone gets a laugh. But everyone out. liked him because everyone yeah. gets a laugh out of him every now and then. Like like oh god that that weirdo. But then he'll say something to the teacher or do that one weird thing, and you'll be like oh yeah that's why we keep him around. Like he was that guy. Well, and he was acting. Are most those... serial killers really smart, though? I mean, they they lot of the majority decades yes. and get away with it. So the thing about him was the reason he was acting out the way he was was because he had all these homosexual tendencies and feelings and was trying to fight him. He he he's he often went back and said he hated that he was gay. Like he he thought it was bad. He thought he looked down upon himself. And he's having all these urges. And he just wants to see what it's like to be with a man. And at that time, he wasn't even thinking like. He wanted to have sex with a man. And every day, this jogger would jog by his house. And he comes up with this plan that he's going to jump out, club this jogger, drag him off to the side, you know, off the side of the road, and just lay with him and be with him. He wanted to feel what that was like. So he finally, he plans it. He puts it all together. This is his first act of, like, really going to act out these, these weird urges he has. And for whatever reason, that day, the jogger didn't come. He come every fucking day. The guy didn't jog by that day. And it spooked him. And he's like, oh, I fucking, I can't do that. I can't do that. And thank God. Otherwise, that might have been his, his first kill. So a uh, little public service announcement there. If you're thinking about taking a jog tomorrow, don't do it. It could save your life. Could save your life. 
that's, that's why I don't jog. I don't want to find the body because they're the either become the body or find the body. That's I true. Yes, but every but time, it's sad that he felt like you know, like we used to live in a time, but we still kind of do though. We're like just because he was gay, he was discriminated against, and he felt the need to kind of hide that, yeah. shelter that. I think. I think obviously we've made great strides into in where we are today and, and everybody is more accepted than they were back then. True. But could you imagine growing up like that where you knew you were different than everybody else and it wasn't an accepted difference? That's why That's a lot of these little people end up committing suicide and shit right. like that. You know? It's sad, man. We, we still got to do a better job in this country. This is coming up to he's getting to be 18. He's coming. He's graduating from high school. By this time, his parents are separated. His father actually leaves the house, gets his own place. And his mom, as you do when you're a fucking loon of a bitch like she was, packs up his younger brother and leaves. So he's just there at the house by himself. The dad has no idea the mom's gone. And, and he Jeff did, is just alone to his vices. And he did comment later that that spun him a little bit. Like, he's like, oh, wow, they're fighting over custody over my younger brother. They don't even they don't notice what the fuck's going on with me. So I, I just stay in this house. And you crave attention, man. And, and John, you know, you'll know this when you become a father. And Brent, you'll, you'll understand as well. The kids want your attention. That's all they want. They don't want toys or monetary things. They just want you to pay attention to them. It's so important. And when, when you don't, as a parent, pay attention to the kids, then they start lashing out. They misbehave, right. and it starts about messing up their rooms, and then it progresses to becoming a serial killer. So pay attention to your kids if you don't want them to be <laughs> serial killers. <laughs> He's on his own. He's on his own, and he finally says, you know what? Fuck it. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. He's driving down the road. He sees a hitchhiker, this guy named Stephen Hicks. He's on the side of the road, pulls over. He says, hey, you want to get high? You want to go drink? Hey, it's fucking 1979. Sure, let's go. Hops in, goes back to Dahmer's place. And I say Dahmer's place because it's literally, he's the only motherfucker living there. Mm -hmm. They hang out, they get high. And you guys said this, he just wanted attention. That's all he wanted. And Hicks wants to leave. Dahmer doesn't want him to leave. Yeah, they have fun. Yeah, like it wasn't like hanging out. It wasn't even like I. they weren't like having sex or anything like that. He tries to leave. Dahmer doesn't want to leave. So what's he do? He hits him with a fucking barbell and strangles him to death. Yeah. Hey, and night's over. Gotta go now. Nope, you're not leaving. <laughs> Boom, barbell to the face. This is probably a good place to play some sound. We have this is from the Stone Phillips interview of Dahmer uh, back in the early 90s. Dahmer actually says, once again, these are all things he says, not necessarily true, but says he, he really wishes that he wouldn't even have picked him up. Conbot, mm -hmm. can you play the clip? I saw this hitchhiker about a mile from my house thought to myself, should I stop and pick him up or should I just keep on going? I wish I just keep on, kept on going, but I didn't. I turned around, picked him up, and uh, that's when, that's when it, the nightmare became a reality. It's just one of those things where all those little moments, like you look back and go, oh, this would have been different. He literally said, I wish I would have kept driving. This is... Yeah. This goes into one of the things when this cat was like one of those cats with nine lives. He kills this guy and he's like, oh, fuck, what have I just done? Chops him up, puts him in bags, throws him in his car in the middle of the night, and he's driving him to the local dump. On his way to the dump, cops pull him over. Uh, so, pardon me, sir. Can you roll down your window? <laughs> that stinks in there. What the fuck is that? No. <laughs> so what, 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 what are, what's in all those bags and, and, and why does it smell like rotten meat? Yeah, they, they literally say... 
what are you doing in the middle of the night with all these bags in the car? And he's like, oh, man. And this is where he comes in. He was incredibly smooth talking when he needed to be. And he just came off as, I'm just a normal, average, everyday Joe. He's like, hey, man, my, my parents just got divorced. I'm living, you know, on my own. Couldn't sleep. I'm, I'm distraught. I thought, you know what? I need to do something that's, like, normal to take my mind off it. Doing a little cleaning. I'm taking some stuff to the dump. Well, all right, then. Carry on, young man, and have a good evening. I think they wrote him a ticket for, like, speeding or something. Send him on his way. Meanwhile, he's got a fucking dead body in bags in the car. The first in a long line of interaction with cops where he is surrounded by dead body parts and they in just the don't happen to notice. Yeah. Like how, how dumb was the law back then? Like, they didn't know anything. It really was like Barney Fife, you know? When you think about it and you read these stories about this guy, there were so many opportunities. But yeah. that goes with any serial killer. Well, they so were they just, all have interactions with the cops and nothing happens to them. They were just driving around looking for rotisserie chickens they couldn't find. So they That's had other exactly things exactly right, back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> he turns around, goes home, shoves the body into the, the crawl space, and lets it sit and rot for like two weeks. And, and so he, he goes and buries the body behind that house. Because they, they, they had this awesome this awesome house that wasn't like uh, just a you know a fenced-in backyard. but Like, it, like we said, it, they had like two acres of the woods. Yeah. yeah. So he buries the body. And then fast forward uh, later after we'll get into what, he ha- what happens in college and all that. He comes back after college, digs it up because he wants to get rid of like any traces mm-hmm. of it you know he wants to turn over a new leaf or whatever and then he pulverizes the bones and scatters them all around just so to he make- spins in a circle just tossing like the, Andy the- Dufresne emptying the wall into the yard yeah. <laughs> like, does anybody else have that thought too just I mean, shaking just it out his pant leg out there you know <laughs> my friend Andy Dufresne his father says you know what you need to go into the fucking you need to get some direction in your life you're going to college. Enrolls him in an Ohio State University. The Ohio the. State University. And he promptly drinks for an entire semester and drops out. Which is not that different from anybody else in college. Exactly. Say, and also the not most an uncommon... normal thing he did in his entire <laughs> life. Also he very, drank in college. Also not an uncommon thing for other members of the Ohio State University. <laughs> <laughs> or insert any university. So his dad says, well, this is a theme too. Whenever his parents told him or his dad... The next thing his dad says is, you need to join the army. He always just goes, okay. Because no matter what they told him to do, he kind of just blindly followed along. Enlists in the army. Trains to be a field medic and studies human anatomy. You know, because that's not foreshadowing or weird or anything like that. And they actually said that the army was good for him. He came more outgoing. He liked the army life at first. It's structured. He has people telling him what to do all the time. He needed that. But... He gets shipped over to go work, becomes an alcoholic, and gets discharged from the army for alcoholism because that's another of these recurring factors. Yeah, he'd been in uh, he'd been stationed in Germany, and well, uh, who doesn't have alcoholism being stationed there? It's the beer capital of the world. <laughs> that's true. My, my dad was in Munich, actually stationed there for a couple of years. <laughs> so Oktoberfest got to him, and right. he, he he was disarmed. Which a little known fact: Oktoberfest is actually in September. Um, also in Lincoln Square. In Lincoln Square, uh, in Chicago, Oktoberfest is also in September. There you go. What was that one we went to in June? That was Mayfest. (laughs) 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 So he comes back after he's discharged from the Army. Doesn't tell his family, just moves to Miami. I guess he's going to go live on the coast for a while. Welcome to Miami. 
Bienvenido, Ami Ami. So he's there just living it up, right? Going to gay clubs. He's, he's working odd jobs, living wear, in hotels. Wearing, wearing white shirts. Unba- sleeping on the beach. Unbuttoned down to his belly button. He's got a pet alligator on his boat. Exactly. He's solving crimes with his black sidekick. Oh wait, no, that's that that's, was Sonny that was, Crockett. Yeah, that's, that's Miami Vice, <laughs> or or he was homeless. One of the two. <laughs> One of the two. Finally, Lionel finds out where he's at. He tries to help him with his alcoholism, but couldn't. So he says, "You're leaving. You're coming home, but you're not coming home with me. You're going to live with Grandma because she's going to slap. She'll you set you yet. straight. Yeah, because Grandma's going to take care of business, right? Get your ass to Milwaukee. <laughs> <laughs> he wa- he walks in the door. Uh, Grandma's standing there and she says, I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. <laughs> you got it, Grandma. And it worked for a little for while. For a little while. He stopped drinking. He goes to church, fought what he believed to be immoral sexual urges. He found steady nope. work, and I love this. He finds steady work in a chocolate mixture at the Ambrosia Candy Factory, and he actually made really good money. And we'll we'll, we'll talk more about the the candy factory in a moment. But I love how during this time period he is he's concerned about what he considers moral and immoral, mm-hmm. as he has already committed one murder. Yes, but that was only one murder. Yeah, but that was a long time. Yeah, ago, it doesn't even, I mean, that hardly counts. Yeah, I mean, put. Putting a dick in the ass, that's really immoral. That whole murder thing, though. Meh. Yeah, <laughs> things happen, you know. Yeah, yeah, some, the guy didn't want to you know, stay and hang out, so you got to keep him there some way, you know? <laughs> it was a good run. Three years. He, by all intents and purposes, he, he was moral for about three years, and he says he can no longer take it. And this is his M.O. to a T. He wanted the submissive company of another male. He wanted to be with a man, but... He did not want that man to have an orgasm. He did not want that man to do anything but lay there as if unconscious so he could fuck him. And turns out, and I didn't know this, a lot of people aren't into that. He's done awful things to people, and he'll do awful things to you. (laughs) He wants to get off but not be worried with or bothered by the needs of others. Usually, a lot of times you could probably pay for that, but nah. Not when, you, not when there's good old murder. It would have been a lot simpler to just get married. <laughs> <laughs> no, sometimes it's not. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. He gets the idea of what he wants, what he needs in his life. He's like, you know what? I'm tired of fighting it. I'm going to give in to my urges. He starts these little baby steps that lead him down this path. The first one, and I love it, he steals a mannequin and puts it in his closet at Grandma's house. And he masturbates to this mannequin laying there and, and jerks off all over it until grandma catches him and makes him get rid of it as That's you do. Right. How did grandma catch him with the mannequin, but not with the, f- the, the dead people we're about to talk about? Well, you know what? <laughs> That's great. He didn't, he, 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 well, she found the, the mannequin figured she had it solved. And you know, that was that. <laughs> <laughs> I guess because the mannequin was just hidden in his closet. She probably went to put his clothes back in there and saw like, Oh, Oh. <laughs> and furthermore, did she recognize the semen on said mannequin? I what, mean, in the, what in the... That's yeah, you semen. would think back then <laughs> grandma wouldn't have any idea. You know, like when our wives become grandmas, they'll recognize that kind of stuff. But like back then, that was stuff you never talked about, even when you were in your 20s, you know? Right. What he's saying is in when your wife, Stacy Goforth, is a grandma, she's going to go, that's semen. I know it. 
<laughs> and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. <laughs> he starts going to porn shops and gay bathhouses. Is there a distinction? Like, is there some bathhouses that are, I guess there would be. They're Turkish. Yeah, well, I thought they were all Turkish, oh. but, you know. <laughs> I don't know. Have so, you ever been in a Turkish prison, Danny? <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever seen a grown man naked? <laughs> the problem is, he keeps going to these bathhouses, and damn it, these men keep wanting to fuck him or not just lay there. So the, it turns out that in these bathhouses, uh, it, man, God, I, I wish I was gay in the <laughs> 70s or 80s in bathhouses. We found our new, our new, uh, our new bumper. <laughs> <laughs> You literally walk around. There's all these dudes sitting around half naked and just pointing at each other and go, "Hey, me, you, me, you, me, you, 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 me." And and you want to go to a, a private bath, and they just take care of business. But good old Dahmer didn't like that because, as I said, they'd want to participate. So he starts bringing in his own drinks with sleeping pills, <laughs> and he's dosing these guys. They feel like you at prom. He, yeah, yeah. Hey, but I dosed the whole punch bow. We were all gonna party. <laughs> So he's, he's, he's it was like Jonestown without the death. (laughs) He overdoses some guy, gives him a little bit too much. The guy almost dies. And so they tell him, Hey, now you can't come back here. (laughs) You got to knock that shit off. (laughs) We are respectable under the table bathhouse. (laughs) So he switches up his MO and he starts going to gay bars and dance clubs. Now here's the thing about Dahmer. Also, he was almost a Ted Bundy in the fact that he was handsome. A lot of people thought he was very handsome. He was also built like a brick shithouse for a while because his parents would be like, oh, you don't have anything to do? Go work out. His dad would tell him, go work. And he just lift and lift and, so, and shit like that. So you've been killing small woodland creatures. You put a dog's head on a spike out back uh, behind the yard. You're in high school and you're non-social. Let's have you work out a whole bunch and, and turn into a brick shithouse. That's a really <laughs> good idea. So he's six foot tall. He's muscular. Uh, he's got blonde hair, and the actual cop, the porn stash cop, was like, the gays referred to him as a honey because they wanted to take care of him and buy him drinks because he was mm. he was a prize. He was a prize piece, I guess. Though, don't you feel like that's just also just kind of a misunderstanding of like the mustached cop from the from the late eighties, right. early nineties? <laughs> that's a stereotype. They, they called right? him. They called him a honey. No, no, they probably said, oh, honey, like just yeah. they do to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> The thing about Dahmer, he's frequent in these places, and he has a type. And he wants long, lean, smooth, muscular, and young-looking. Race, not important. Asian, black, white, doesn't matter. He wants hairless torsos. He was really, really into into smooth skin, and especially the torso portion of the body. And when we come back from break, we will talk about many of those bodies. Right after this on Hysteria 51. And welcome back in. We are talking Jeffrey Dahmer. I went to the restroom. I made sure and kept all my clothing on. Uh, I've just been a little creeped out by the whole conversation. That's uh, just the conversation with, with Bob. Right, offline. I mean, it has nothing to do with Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> I think I've been very, very respective of this topic. <laughs> or representative. I, I, which word did you mean there? I'm not sure. I don't know. There are words. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Words are hard. <laughs> Speaking of hard, Jeffrey Dahmer. No. <laughs> Segway. 
So we're getting into his kills. We've kind of painted the picture of what made him into the murderer. The, not really. <laughs> He's fucked up in the head. But, you know, I'd love to say his dad put cigarettes out on his arms and his, you know, his mom. That's the strange thing, man. Like, he really didn't have that no. bad of a childhood. Like, no. if, if it would have been bad of a childhood, we wouldn't even be doing this episode of the podcast because we would just go, oh, nope. yeah, clearly his parents were messed up. It and makes that's sense. Why I would have done right? the same thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I know people that in many different ways had a much tougher childhood mm-hmm. than Jeffrey Dahmer did. I know. A lot tougher, too, and, and where parents didn't care about him. They had to mm-hmm. fight for themselves. I mean, we all knew somebody growing up whose parents just kind of weren't there and weren't involved with their mm-hmm. lives like Every, they should have yeah. been. Yeah, and sometimes those kids parents, were the, the class clown. Druggy parents, like alcoholic yeah, parents. I mean, right. tons of stuff. And and guess what? They all turned out okay. I mean, I mean that's a whole other conversation about what turns mental, somebody into something. Uh, but mentally the point Ill. Is, mental, but the point is, this guy didn't have that. We've already established he's, he's he stepped up his game as far as he was going to bathhouses. He's been drugging people to because he wants that submissive person that he he's his whole life he's chasing the perfect lay really for him what he wants it's almost it, it he did tie sexualness into it mm-hmm. but it's just as much power yes. over the other person yes. as it is the sexuality so that brings us up to his second kill so in November of 87, he meets 25-year-old Steve Toomey. They meet at a bar. They decide to go back to a hotel for some drinks. And he, he goes back to that old MO. He that dude makes some sweet clothes. luggage, man. Most of my luggage is Toomey. <laughs> <laughs> and not made by so the... So many awful jokes. I, I, I was there. searching for like the yeah, Toomey skin true. leather. I, yeah. Yeah. So Dahmer says when he wakes up, Steve was dead and he had no memory of killing him. And I believe him on that one. He's like, I don't know. I must have fucking killed him. He said, no I don't know why, but I believe him, yo. <laughs> I believe him, yo. I don't know why, but I do. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of suitcase, he's, he goes out and buys what I like to think was a Toomey suitcase. Right. And didn't you think that when you exactly. read that part of the story? <laughs> Just like, you hope he's buying some Toomey luggage, Well, he's right? giggling. He's stuffing Steve in and giggling. <laughs> you know? Says he takes him to his grandma's house. If you need house. somewhere to put a Toomey, buy a Toomey. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes back to old grandma's house and dismembers the body. And this is where his obsession took over. He gave into his desires at that point fully. He said, you know what? I'm gay. I want gay sex. I want submissives. And I I, I want mutilation. I'm a killer. (laughs) Yeah. And the floodgates opened. So that's 87. In that second kill, he was just, he was getting his water wings. Yeah. Like, like it just, it opened up a floodgate. Literally, he goes, you know what? This is me. And I'm going to figure this out. But don't you also think that this is also kind of reversionist history? This is him telling us about this after the fact. Well, hindsight's in, twenty twenty. In I mean, life, in life, don't we all give ourselves little, uh, little allowances? Okay, I'll do this, but I'll, I'll have one chip, but I won't have three. I'll have well, three. Oh, but I won't thing, have but once you start getting away with stuff, you start doing it more and more and more, and right. it becomes you pop, easier you and easier stop. and easier. Exactly. It's a lot easier to keep going than it is to stop. And this is the definition of spree killer. This guy went on spree killing. 15 more murders in a very short span. We said his murders were from 78 to 92 or whatever. But there was 78 and then was number one. 87 was number two. Number two. Right. Exactly. So you got nine years of him going, I I don't know. I can't. uh, No, 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 no. Kill number two. And like I said, and we'll get into this later. I believe he doesn't remember killing him, but that's all it took. He woke up, the guy was dead, and he goes, yep. That's, yeah, and that's I don't it. remember eating Taco Bell last Saturday but after he knew, 15 he did, he beers. He doesn't deny doing it. No, he's like, oh, I'm sure I still got to put him. up with the consequences. No, I, I, and he did, I, and he was happy that it happened yeah. at that point in time. 
we're not going to hit on every murder, but we're going to give you the the mo. Did you have that chicken burrito thing that they've got now? With oh, all the chicken, chicken shell? shell. Have you had that? Yet? I haven't had it yet, but I want it. Does that not sound like the great? Like Taco Bell is genius with their stuff. I agree. Genius. I what agree. you got that we can make a taco shell out of? And, and also, it's the healthiest fast food chain out there. Yes, it is incredibly good. I, it is my. Uh, by the way, I, uh, side note. I, <laughs> Sorry, I, we got hungry talking about Jeffrey Dahmer. Go ahead. <laughs> if Taco Bell ever wants to sponsor this show, I would love it because it. I'm not a huge fast food guy. You might mistake that seeing my physique. I am not a huge fast food guy. But I would eat Taco Bell if it wouldn't give me a, a coronary morning, noon, and night. I, I I love Taco Bell. There's a flavor to Taco Bell that I love. I can yep. sit here and talk about it for an hour. And I, I don't feel that way about any other fast food. Their, their food's outstanding, man. They always do a great job of revolutionizing themselves and being different and offering you something, number one, that you never thought of, and number two, that you can't get somewhere else. And so, everyone knows. And, and you can find a way to eat healthy at Taco Bell. You I mean, can. You, really you can. can. Yeah. And everyone knows they're going to be the ones that win the restaurant wars. The restaurant so. wars. <laughs> In the future, all, all restaurants, restaurants are Taco, Taco Bell. Bell. <laughs> <laughs> so back to old JLD here. His MO for all these these next 15 murders. He offers money or sex or modeling. Like, he, depending on the person, he feels them out. He's like, hey, come back to my house. I'll give you some money for sex or I'll, I'll give you some money to model for me. Let me take pictures of you. Gets the victims to come back to his house. At some point, he would offer them a drink, often wine, laced with drugs to knock them out. All victims were male. Many of them were very young. Not all of them. Many of them were young. And on the young note, uh, it's interesting when he talked about his murders, he had no problem talking about disembowelment, about necrophilia, the worst of the worst stuff he could have done to these bodies. But if you mention the fact that the kid was 14, he'd be like, I had no idea. He was at the bar. I thought he was 18. I thought yeah. it was cool. Like, like that was like the thing that discussed. Like he didn't want to be a child a molester. Right. He just wanted to eat and kill and have sex with dead bodies, but he draws a goddamn line. <laughs> <laughs> Pedophilia. Yeah. Yeah. He strangled most of them. He said he didn't want to hurt them just for them to die. And that was the easiest way for them to die. Yeah, he said strangling was the least uh, painful. Yeah. He kept the bodies long after death to continue having sex with them. And that was something he had to figure out. Like, how long could he keep fucking a body before it started stinking and grandma would find out or... The neighbors would find out. Well, and then and then at, at one point, Grandma says, all right, you're drunk. It smells funny. You had a mannequin. That's literally what she said. I don't like the smells that are coming yeah. out of the basement. You got to go. And so he 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 gets a new place, and then he mm -hmm. gets another new place. He ends up, he's he's right by the gay district as far as the, the party and stuff. And his neighbors are like, man, he seemed like an okay guy. It stunk a lot. But they actually thought he was like... Making weird food and shit like that. Like, well, the the final place that the place that he was busted in mm -hmm. ultimately, the place that he did most of the murdering mm -hmm. and all the really really foul stuff, that was actually like Section Eight housing, like a tenement. Yeah, he said low income housing. People are paying a lot less attention to what I'm doing, mm -hmm. and the cops are a lot less apt he to go there. Literally, was the third weirdest guy there. <laughs> hindsight, looking back, he was number three. <laughs> So he kept the bodies, as we said, long after have sex with them. And so grandma kicks him out because of the smell. So he gets his own place. And he said he constantly changed how he got rid of the pieces of the bodies because they're adding up and they're piling up. The, and he had a background, a little yeah. bit of this background with his father with chemistry and stuff like that. He goes out, 
He gets a 57 gallon drum, a blue drum, which if you've ever watched, that's like the ominous photo or video. Yeah. Yep. They're literally wheeling out on a hand truck that fucking barrel. Though doesn't it kind of look like a supersized version of those little, those little, uh, juice containers that you got after a soccer game when you were five years old they were blue like, raspberry eh what were those things called the the juice boxes no I mean, they, they were they were, they, pl- were, they were like a they oh were plastic yeah, yeah, yeah. and then a like foil the top bottles where you rip the plastic yeah, exactly yeah. it looked like a really big blue one of those before but before he got that and and got into like you know disintegrating bodies in that yeah he, this is one, great. one of the murders he threw the body parts away in the trash. Them out. Ah, it's trash day tomorrow. They'll never. Which really, that's probably pretty fucking genius. Then as soon as it goes in the back of the truck, they have no idea where it came from. It's true. It's just mind boggling. I'm. A sm- I mean, when I smoked weed, <laughs> I'd get rid of the baggie, and I'm like sitting there thinking, do I put this in the trash or uh, not? And meanwhile, but Jeffrey Dahmer's throwing away dead people. But he's not throwing it all away. He kept pieces of each victim, often the head, genitals, or both. And this is what I thought was really crazy. He's always going for a an ultimate means to an end. He didn't want to kill these people. He felt like he needed to because he needed that sexual outlet. So he's trying to build a shrine out of bone. I think it was going to involve like seven skulls and various other bones. And he's learning along the way. He's learning. And he's trying to figure out how to get these books. In fact, one of the things he did was he had a skull and he had like he had cured it and he needed it to dry. So he put it in the oven and it exploded. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, a and lot, he learned like, oh, well, you can't do that. LOL. A lot of what he wanted to do was hold on to these skulls and mm-hmm. these other bones. And it was trial and error to figure out the best way to keep them. Because he's literally trying to put together this killing shrine so that he doesn't need to fucking kill people anymore. So his thought is, just jack if, off if on I have it. a skull, I can stare at the skull, jack off, whatever. So some of the skulls, he needed to get the flesh off. Mm-hmm. And so the first time he decided to try to get the flesh off his skull, he mixed bleach with uh, an industrial detergent called Soilex. Works well uh, when you've been eating a lot of Taco Bell. Soilex. Good point. Um, (laughs) He put those two chemicals together, boiled it, and threw the skull in. Uh, It it turned the skull so brittle it basically like broke apart Mm. in his hands. I'm sitting there thinking, how the fuck did like that chemical just not that 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 noxious fume that comes from boiling those two chemicals together not kill the motherfucker? Right. But But at what point do you realize this is not the right thing? I shouldn't be doing this. You know, when (laughs) when you have that thought cross your mind that what I'm doing here is really weird. This is a human skull in my hand. He's got Beekman's World playing in the background, just giggling. (laughs) (laughs) I'm learning science. But uh, Soilex actually became a theme, uh, obviously stopped with the one that made the, the skull too brittle, but he continued to use Soilex mm. and boiling the skulls in Soilex to get the flesh off because he said it just it pretty much sloughed off like goo. Yeah. And actually, that goo was a, another thing, the goo from doing that or the goo when he would put these the torsos he would put into that 57 gallon drum. It would all break apart. It would just leave sludge. Because he put it in with acid. Exactly. And he literally would just flush the sludge down the toilet or pour it down his bathroom shower drain and rinse it and it would go down. I mean, I guess there's no way to ever discover that kind of stuff if you did something like that, right? Right. Yeah. But but he kept fucking photos. That's those, as most of these guys yeah. also do. They always leave a paper trail yep. at the end. You go, man, if you never did that, you probably would still be alive and out of right? jail. Well, and uh, can we get back to the smell? I mean, 
<laughs> I'm sorry. I'm stuck on the smell. I, think about all the things we just talked about between boiling bones, between using chemicals to slough flesh off. He's and, mummifying penises and he, hands and shit like that to jerk off with the hands and suck on mummified dicks of men that he has I mean, have you killed. ever lived in an apartment building with someone cooking curry? I mean, you smell that for the next two weeks. That was literally. Can you imagine what somebody, it smells like if somebody's That was one of the things flesh? that one of the neighbors actually said was like, we just thought he was eating weird shit. Like he was cooking with well, weird they shit. they were right. Yeah, it's well. also late enough too now where people just didn't, it's none of my business. I'm, I'm walking away. I'm not getting involved. I That's mean, the 90s, put, man. Put, uh, put yourself in, the, in these people's shoes, okay? Let, let's see. If you put yourself in these people's shoes, do it today. If you smelled something weird, are you calling the cops or not? I would say the odds are you're not. You're just going to walk around and that ain't my business and you continue on with your day. Right. Well, right? I, I, I think it's. I, I agree. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think I agree to one extent or another. I mean, I think to, with the, how pervasive it was, I probably wouldn't ignore it because I'm just not an ignoring kind of guy. But I also you, you it, it was a reputed uh, apartment building for drugs. And it was also uh, like such the, hard, heavy turnover. I was watching the Dahmer files and they interviewed uh, his neighbor and she admitted. I mean, she said like I was using crack at the time. The point being, if you're living in one of the other apartments and you are using crack, using other drugs, whatever it is, you're probably not calling the cops. Yeah. I mean, that, that probably leads to a lot of it. That, and, and once again, uh, the the very the intelligence in his choice mm -hmm. of, of living if he was going to go ahead and do these things. The other thing that he did that that blew my mind is he gets this idea of he really just needs a slave because he, he wants a sexual submissive. So maybe I don't need to kill him because then I got to deal with these bodies. What if I just make a slave? So he gets these guys drugs and when they're unconscious, he starts drilling small holes in their head and injective acid into their brain, trying to make these guys into fucking sex slaves, zombies. He called them zombies. Mm. But unfortunately, they just kept dying on him. He couldn't keep them alive. When acid, <laughs> when acid didn't work, he tried boiling water. Yep. And uh, just just didn't seem to didn't seem to do the trick. So he's like, ah, live and learn. I guess I'll have to go back to my skull shrine. The, the last piece of, of what he would do with the bodies this only picked up towards the end was he did become a cannibal. He would, uh, he specifically would retain parts of the thigh, the bicep, I believe, and the liver. Those were, I guess, his favorite parts. I don't, I don't know. Those mm -hmm. are what he named off. Freeze them and then, uh, in fact, when he was arrested, he said that the last month before he was arrested, We'll get into his arrest later. The last month before he was arrested, the only meat that he consumed was human flesh. It made him feel like he kept them as a permanent part of him when he ate them. And to him, yeah, to him, it was just another form of control. No, just like that first guy or that first guy. No, you can't leave. Right. Uh, right. No, you're staying with me. Yeah. And th this was another form of you're staying with me. They didn't all stay with him, though. We'll get into a few, few details here. At one point he got, and this is a hell of a name and I'm going to butcher it. Uh, Kason Synthesomophone. I don't, Synthesomophone? How do you say that? Synthesomophone. Thir Synthesomophone. 13 year old boy. Dahmer gets him in his apartment. He fondles him and the boy runs away. He's actually, the boy goes and tells his parents, Dahmer is caught, gets arrested, goes to jail, but they give him this jail where he gets to work still at the Ambrosia Chocolate Factory. And then he's got to sleep in prison well, at Brent, night. He was a really good employee. I mean, that's right. He worked overtime. He was a Saturdays. good employee. He was such a good employee. He's keeping fucking body parts in his locker 
Like, so he can be go in there. that happen, too? you got to wonder about that. How this dude was storing bodies at, at his work locker, man? Because a lot of them were mummified. And I, I think at that time they stopped the smelling, however he did it. In, def- in defense of anyone who might have worked at the Ambrosia Chocolate Factory, if you're talking about the overnight chocolate guy, do you really want to look into that man's locker? Isn't I'm that just kind saying. of the weirdest dude, though, out there, the overnight chocolate guy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the overnight chocolate guy. Well, you know, you better check From the maker locker. of Candyman comes overnight chocolate guy. <laughs> After I read, after I read all about the, this whole story, I mean, boy, it, it just it it paints the chocolate that you go out to the store and grab and eat mm. in a whole like man, who is making my chocolate right now? Well, so the, we said he's arrested. He gets a year, since a year, and he's working. His dad actually writes to the the judge, says, "My son needs help. Please make him go to alcohol counseling." And the judge is like, "Nope." And he gets off like two months early for good behavior. So he doesn't even have to spend the whole time sleeping in prison. And he's, you know, out hunting during the whole time. That was 13-year-old Kaysan. He went to prison for that. Get forward. The brother of Kaysan that we just mentioned became a victim. 14-year-old Connerick, as he slept, Dahmer went for liquor. And the teen wakes up, runs out naked. And one of those crackhead neighbors sees him, calls 911. Like, there's this guy. He looks like he's beaten up. He's nude. He's running around. The cops come, and they find this guy. Meanwhile, Dahmer's sauntering back up with some beer in hand. And uh, keep in mind, uh, Conorak was one of the potential zombies. So he had already had a hole drilled into Mm -hmm. his head and either acid or boiling water boiled in, but he wasn't dead I believe yet. this one was boiling water. That's why he, like, came to and was like, oh, shit, you know? So uh, he runs out, but he's not... Number one, he's speaking in another language, and mm-hmm. he's speaking very fast, and even if you spoke that language, it probably wouldn't have made any sense. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the reasons Dahmer was able to talk his way out. Dahmer walks up and says, oh, shit, that's my boyfriend. We got a fight. I went out to get us some drinks. He's okay. The guy's not all there because he's had shit poured in his brain. The cop's like... Well, that guy definitely but, looks to be of age. Yeah, here's the fuck. Lover's quarrel. He comes out and he says, here's the proof. I have photos. Na- here, here are naked Polaroids of this 14-year-old boy. Of course, the cops didn't know he was 14 because they didn't bother fucking finding out. Here are, here are Polaroids of this naked 14-year-old and us, uh, us getting naked together. Obviously, he's my boyfriend. The cops go, well, everything seems Nothing okay. Nothing to see here, you looking loose. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? And he promptly walks back inside and murders said boy. Right. He knows at this time, he starts realizing what he's doing is wrong. I don't know if he starts realizing it. I think he's... He went for a long time. He said he embraced it. And then he wanted to build this shrine so he could get away from the killing. Because he said he realizes that that it's wrong. Defined wrong. I mean, you know, like... He said he tried to fight the demons, but they were too much. That's a quote from me. He said, I tried to fight the demons, but they were too much. That's why he started to build that shrine. So he could masturbate to, you know... The demon shrine, whatever the fuck you want to call it. People are complaining about the smell at his house. Said it smelled like cooking chitlins, was one of the neighbors said. Like that, that chitlins. Yeah, chitlins have a really weird smell. Yeah, but outwardly, he seemed completely normal. There's also this video that's kind of popular of his dad, again, recorded a lot. They're at the grandma's house, and he's talking like, oh, you're looking a little skinny. Have you been getting enough to eat? And he's like, oh, you know, I've been eating a lot of McDonald's and... It's just easier to get food like that. I haven't really been eating very well. But. Conspiracy bot, do we have that? Well, you're looking good. Grandma was saying Thanks. that that she thought that you got quite a bit thinner, but you look fit. I don't know. Well, I've been surviving mostly on McDonald's food. It's just so much easier just to pop into a restaurant. But Yeah, 
like I said before, it gets too expensive and it does. I have to start eating at home more. This is all going on. Tracy Edwards was the turning point. Tracy Edwards was the one that got away. He escaped Dahmer and flagged down the cops. So Dahmer had brought him home. He's going to do the exact same thing to him. And he would have been number 18. He got out, fought Dahmer, flags down the cops. Cops, go with them to Dahmer's house. Well, now, hold on. He he flagged down the cops because he wanted. To, he had handcuffs on when he woke up. Yeah, he needed and, them to take them off. Them to, he, he said, you know what? Don't worry about where I came from or who, <laughs> who cuffed me. Mm-hmm. Just get these handcuffs Probably off. Probably because he didn't want people to know he was gay. Is, right, I mean, you know. Which, how homophobic was Milwaukee in, right? in the late 80s, early 90s? So the cops go, though, they, they find out, they finally get out of them the truth. They go to Dahmer's house. 83 Polaroids of bodies in various stages of dismemberment. Four full human heads in the refrigerator. Genitals in a jar. Oh. Three torsos in the 57-gallon drum. A freezer full of limbs and flesh that he was going to eat. As you said, he liked the biceps, like the legs, the liver. Metal pots with mummified hands and genitals that he would suck off and masturbate with. Ugh. He told the detectives, when I tell you what I'm going to tell you, you're going to be famous. And you know what? That That is an honest-to-goodness line right there. Yeah, I guess. Oh. The, At least his porn No matter how famous. much cleaning up you do. They're going, when they find that stuff, it just doesn't matter. You'll be saying, wow, every time you use this towel. It, it didn't matter. It, the towel or not, the, they when found, he, when they find mummified <laughs> parts, it's over. That when, before the cops knew what was going on, Jeff said, when I tell you what I'm going to tell you, you're going to be famous. And the cops said, there is nothing you can tell me that will freak me out. And they said, Dahmer just started laughing. Oh, yeah. That's oh, that, yeah. that's that same cop with the awesome 70s yeah. mustache. Uh, was his name Kennedy? Yeah. 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 And here's what I like about Dahmer. And I say I like, you know, take that with a grain of salt. As soon as he was caught, he came clean with everything. And for all intents and purposes, people don't look at Dahmer and think that he embellished or that he was a liar. When he was caught, he said, I did this, I did this. Now there could be other people that we don't know about and stuff. He came out with everything and was willing to be interviewed. His father came forward, gave the whole backstory. He's one of the most delved into killers that there ever has been. Well, you, you know, you, you hear about the the testicles in the jar. Does that remind anybody else of like small town, you know, bar with the pickled eggs on yeah, the bar? Like, right. like that type of thing. Was that like, like, were you thinking about that when you read Is that, that part? Because I know I was. Uh, it's yeah, eggs, man. that's, that's pig in the bar, like the middle of Missouri somewhere. Uh, my wife likes pickled eggs. She, I've never met anybody who's even eaten one. Oh, yeah. Those have been sitting oh, in I've bars for Oh, they're years. rubber. I've never eaten one at For the bar. record, I make pickled eggs at home. I boil eggs. I, you take you take a pickle jar that has pickle juice that you've eaten all the pickles out of, and you put uh, a hard-boiled egg in there, mm-hmm. and leave it sit for a week or two, and they are delicious. That sounds, oh, I hate them. So, oh, really? How long do you let them sit there? Two weeks. Uh, like two weeks. Oh. What, what, what's, what's gross about that? I don't even understand. I don't like the taste I, I of rubbery. Pickled and, eggs just doesn't do it for me. Well, they're not. Being honest. honest. It's it's much different than the jar that hasn't been refrigerated that's been sitting on the bar for three years. I mean, I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking, you know, I, I know when I bo- I purchased the eggs, I know when I boiled them, and I know when I pickled right. them. But they weren't what genitals. What do they taste like? R- like a hard, tough boiled egg that has that pickly taste to it. 
Well, and they get tough. It, to me, it just tastes like uh, that pickle flavor on a on a boiled egg. Not like a genital. Getting back, it to... does not taste like a genital. <laughs> I wouldn't. Know. I, mean, I guess I wouldn't know. But... <laughs> what made this guy? A Mama killer? don't like tattletales. <laughs> what made this guy a killer, John? Like what he? We talked about he didn't have that normal killer upbringing. What were the warning signs? Okay, so there's there's warning signs, and then there's what made him a killer. I. I mean, obviously, the warning signs we, we, we've we've kind of we've we've gone over whether it be you know collecting the dead animals, putting that head on a spike, uh, it, the weird questions you'd ask his dad what about bones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, his his acts of violence towards animals when he was mm-hmm. younger. Uh, we, we Alcoholism, maybe. The, uh, yeah, but the the thing is, all of that doesn't make you into a serial killer, right? No, I mean, he no, was no. antisocial. I believe right. he, he lacked self-confidence. You know, a big a big thought here is that uh, he was autistic or had Asperger's. Asperger's is on the spectrum. No, that's not to say that if you have that, you're going to be a serial killer, but that's where his guided him to be. Correct. So that's just, I mean, uh, literally, I've got a copy of the report here from his psyche yeah, you're, valve. you're breaking out paperwork. I'm uh, getting from, excited. From his psyche valve. Um, so what is the Asperger's are, are autistic? What is it? The, the the breakdown. The, Asperger's disorder criteria. Yeah, so one of the reasons they thought that he might have Asperger's was his lack of any interest in social relationships. He had emotional coldness, secretiveness, and a tendency to live in a solitary lifestyle, which is very in Sounds line. like a lot of Twitter users. <laughs> <laughs> his isolation from others and his peers could have increased his abnormal fantasies. He tested positive for the following that, that, that is on the chart for Asperger's disorder. Nonverbal communication deficits. Failure to develop develop peer relationships, lack of social sharing, lack of social-emotional reciprocity, pervasive preoccupation with stereotyped and restricted patterns of interest of abnormal intensity and focus. <laughs> Say that three times fast. And that is that is him to a T, actually. Uh, it is true, right? Yeah. Apparently inflexible adherence to specific non-functional routines or rituals. Does that sound yep. familiar? Mm-hmm. Persistent preoccupation with parts slash objects. Yep. Only they didn't know they meant actual body parts. Yep. Language delays. He had poor prosody and pragmatics. Idiosyncratic language. Impoverished imaginative play and motor clumsiness. This, th- These are all things that are on the on the chart of the chart actually so i'm looking at this chart he was one of all the ticks he didn't have one which was stereotyped repetitive motor mannerisms and three of them were not available or, or didn't apply they weren't sure right so literally let's just say 99 percent of every stereotypical thing they click the box. Yeah, that this particular psychiatrist says, "Yep, he has mm-hmm. Aspergers." Once again, uh, that's just like saying he had divorced parents. It's not a one doesn't lead to the other, right? But uh, the, this is them being—I don't know—society at large, almost trying to figure out what made this guy tick. And this Why was seven he- different doctors that went over this with him. And all of them are like, like, this guy is a classic case of this. Bang, boom, pow. So there's all of that. Okay. All of his history, all of all, uh, his, his actual genetic makeup, everything else. Mm. And then the other thing that people do believe that led to this is that crazy when he was four years old, that double hernia surgery, which changed his personality, which changed him, you know, 180 degrees. Which, well, you, and I was actually talking with my wife about this. Like, 
we were trying to come up with what that could have been. And I I'm don't not know. buying that. There's no way a well, hernia surgery so before I, defines who you are and turns you into a serious killer. Only thing I can say was maybe he had lack of oxygen during that surgery or something that like changed his personality because he'd actually caused brain damage. Something like that to where, or he had lack of blood flow to the brain during a surgery or something like that. That's the only thing I can think of that could have caused something like that. And that's a legit concern and a legit, I, I think, part of, of bringing that up there. And I think that's a very, very good point. It's a very tough one to argue. Tell whether or not that guy lost oxygen to the brain. So yeah. to sit there and say, oh, a four-year-old had hernia surgery and this led him to where he is today... I don't think so, man. I you know, think people that are like that maybe are born yeah. with something messed up in their brain and then it just kind of develops. Yeah. Over like ever since I had that double hernia surgery, I just want to suck on a modified cock. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just this weird, like, call me crazy, you know, but. So I had uh, I had a deviated septum uh, worked on a few years ago. How <laughs> deviated was it? <laughs> Real small surgery on it. Now from now on, anything I do wrong, it's because I had that surgery. Weird shit oh, happened. That's a good excuse. I like it. I'm not. I, I can't explain it. Weird shit happened. That's the way it is. You know, you, Bob, you started it off. Let's talk about you know our real opinions on on what made this cat tick. Um, I, I think it, I think it had to do more so with being moved as a child like when when i was a kid and i've never really shared this with anybody but i'll share it now my my biggest fear as a child don't worry no one's listening we were, we, that's true that, that we were gonna move like I, I never wanted to move and my parents would look at a house here look at a house there and they ended up building additions onto our house you know that i grew up in twice you know a couple of times they did that and, and my biggest fear was moving because it's not easy to start over when you're a kid. And even then I knew like this, if you switch high schools, I mean, or you switch grade schools or middle schools, you've had all these friends that you've had for your entire life. And, and people are clickish. As you know, St. Louis is very clickish. Boston is very clickish. There's places like that, that when you move to, if you didn't grow up there and you don't know everybody that's from there, you have a hard time fitting in. So I never wanted to move as a child because I always worried, would I be able to assimilate and fit in and do all that kind of stuff? And we never did move. And I was very fortunate that I got to college and, you know, I'll move every, you know, couple of years in, in, in the radio business that I'm in and, and you move around a lot. John, you've moved around a lot as, as a kid as well. It's easier than you think. But when you're a kid, man, having that perception of moving and having to start over and people not jumping on, on you right away when you get there as the new kid can be very lonely and can be very damaging. And to me, that's what probably started all of this. He was looking for an outlet to have somebody to talk to and, and be recognized. And then his parents get divorced and that kind of leads to where he is right now. So I think it's all things that happened in his life that caused him to be that way. I like that. I agree to a very far extent with that. I believe he was born with issues, or, or I don't know if you want to call it. I believe he was born autistic. A lot of people, that doesn't mean he's going to be a killer, but he was surrounded by a family that the father loved him, but wasn't really probably there as much as he needed to be. And a mother who was fucking crazy, literally right. crazy. And it sounds like outwardly loved his little brother more than she loved him or used the little brother and probably played him against each other uh, to a certain extent. He was uprooted at a young age. He lost everything he had and he always was looking for that coping mechanism. Yeah. Whether it was alcohol or whether it was sex or whether it was those bones as a kid, he was always looking for something that was his niche that he could grab onto and as soon as the thing about him was he wanted to get caught he, he, he said he's like i wanted i knew what i was doing was wrong i wanted to get caught he was smart enough that he probably could have hit all that shit and got away with it for a very long time 
but he got sloppy on purpose. Like he just gave up trying. Well, because it's difficult, man, to keep that going. And, and absolutely, and you know, you just run out of t- you just run out of energy. I'm like, I'm done. And you know, you, you ask yourself, like, what what percentage of like real evil is there? Like, is this guy an evil person, or is that person evil? I think that he had a lot of issues that were never addressed, and it was one thing after another. With the alcohol and the <laughs> way too free at a way too young of an age to be left alone with his own vices, and it made a murderer. It made a, a, a fucking monster. John, I know you've got strong opinions, so let's hold you to the end. Conspiracy bot, I feel like we haven't really used you a lot this episode, and you've kind of been staring at us. What do you think about this? Like, what are your thoughts on on JLD? Two things I can appreciate. Someone who knows what they want and goes after it, and someone who can appreciate the worth of a drum full of acid. I know what it's like to have a taste for something and you can't stop pondering it until you get it. So yeah, I get it. So you're a fan? Is what you're saying? Like, I I can't get behind that. I don't know. (laughs) You know what? I don't think he was saying he's a fan. I think he was saying he understood. (laughs) Which is just as creepy. I don't agree, but I understand. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you're a bastard you're a bastard of a robot eat a dick brand preferably a mummified one yeah i, I don't like everything will be all right because you're gonna murder us what I... am i that transparent okay. <laughs> all right john we'll let you bring this bastard of a show closed well if you listen to this dumpster fire often you know that i tend to be um the non-believer i don't believe in conspiracies i don't believe in um you know these beans out there for the most part i i'm gonna be on the opposite that's side that's why of- i do not believe jeffrey Dahmer existed <laughs> He was a hologram from the state of Arkansas. Yes, yeah, it didn't, it, he never happened. Why's uh, it got to be Arkansas? <laughs> I'm, I'm a denier. I'm, he wasn't I'm a, sleeping with his family members. <laughs> I'm a dumber denier. Uh, no, no, I don't think that. I mean, look, some of the most awesome people in our history that came up with some of the coolest inventions that that progressed humanity had Asperger's, were autistic, had horrible childhoods, were alcoholic. I I mean, all of the things, all of those separate things had to be moved, were true of so many amazing people. And they didn't turn around and kill people and dismember them and eat them. My, you know. (laughs) My belief is that Jeffrey Dahmer was a psychotic, evil motherfucker. And just like these other serial killers that are psychotic, evil motherfuckers. It's easier to hate Charles Manson when, when he sits there and, and stares into the camera. Oh, but he's got the sniffles right now. Don't, don't talk bad about him. <laughs> when he sits there and stares into the camera and is unrepentant, right? Yeah. It's easier to hate him and go, that's the face of evil. He, you know, he's got a swastika on his forehead. Mm-hmm. That's the face of evil. People have often referred to Jeffrey Dahmer as the most likable serial killer. When you hear it, him talk, it sounds like that cousin you only see it at like family reunions. People, and he's like, hey, how are you? People ya? fucking feel bad for him. After they saw him on that Stone Phillips interview, women were proposing to him. Mm-hmm. They like <laughs> What part of I suck mummified dick don't you get, lady? <laughs> <laughs> You're not getting with this. <laughs> Uh, I don't think that putting a coat of paint on a turd changes the smell of the turd. I mean, I, he is an evil. Depends on how thick that paint is, John. I'm just going to let you know. Sherwin Williams, if you work there, you can, you can chime in on that. <laughs> <laughs> 
He is an evil, sadistic prick that cared about what people thought. And so in retrospect, he told us a whole lot of things that in a certain way that made you feel bad for him. But it doesn't change the fact that he decided to do these things. He he made the conscious decision to do these things. He killed people. He killed people's sons and 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 brothers and husbands he he murdered them and he ate them and he had little regard for them in any way shape or form as human beings only for his own sick sadistic hedonistic pleasures and so i don't give a flying fuck what happened to him as a kid it wasn't that bad uh, even if it had been that bad even if daddy had burned uh, cigarettes on his arm it doesn't give you permission to go out and ruin the fucking world <laughs> you are a terrible prick and i'm glad you're dead i well, feel there's like not much more to say i really. feel like Thank that was angled was towards someone else like are, are, are you angry do you need to just keep going? Here, here's five minutes, John. Take it. I don't know. Did you guys spend the last week reading about this prick? Like, oh, I, I know. I, like, I know. It's, it's awful. It is awful. And you know, it's like equally as awful. You brought this up as those women that are like, marry me. Or those people that I, I will say this. We talked about this. I do understand why people become fascinated with serial killers. Because you dive into their headspace and it is fascinating that someone can go so far off the fucking beaten path that you're just enthralled with trying to figure out their brain. I don't, I don't understand like trying the to understand, people, trying to understand the programming. I get it. I don't, I don't understand the people that look at them as like heroes. No, no, I, I you know what I mean? This is like, to me, this is the manifestation of evil. Like, right. the, uh, I that, think that sums, sums it up nicely. Yeah. And that's what I meant earlier mm-hmm. when I said that normally I'm on the other side of things. I don't believe mm-hmm. in the, in, in the UFOs that got Barney and Betty Hill. And, and, you know, I don't believe in the crazy theories that happened around Roanoke. Uh, I, I think he is the manifestation of evil, not, not something that can be quantified, but rather just pure evil. Mm-hmm. What so, about Barney and Betty Rubble? How do you feel about that? <laughs> hey! <laughs> right? <laughs> so, that is our thoughts, the quattro of us and what we think on this. Let us know what you think. Did we miss something, this glaring piece of evidence that we should have touched on? If so, let us know on social media. You can find us on Twitter at Hysteria51Pod or at Facebook.com slash Hysteria51Pod. Throw us a comment. Throw us a tweet. Let us know what's going on. Also, our guest, if you want to follow him on Twitter, Bob. At Bob Fesco, F-E-S-C-O-E. Uh, you can listen to me on uh, 610 Sports Radio in Kansas City, 6 to 10 a.m. weekdays. You can stream it online, download the app. You can check it out on our website, 610sports.com, or tune in on the old-fashioned way on the radio if you're in the Kansas City area. There you go. If you can't remember any of those social media links, you can find them all at hysteria51.com. John, me, we'll have Bob on there. We have uh, links to our Patreon on there as well, which is patreon.com slash hysteria51. In case you want to support the show, get yourself a t-shirt, a sticker, become a guest on the show, pick a topic, or about those just, fantasies. Or if you just want to be friends with Conspiracy Bot. And last, and maybe least, but certainly not in my book, we have a phone number for you to call. 773-669-7277. Again, 773-669-7277. Leave us a message. We've been saying for the last few weeks, if you call and leave a message, no matter how bad or good it is, we're going to play it. John, did we get a message? We did. So instead of social shout-outs tonight, uh, we are going to go old school and do a shout-out from our very first voicemail. 
This is literally the first voicemail we received. We're we're understandably excited. Here's a clip of it. Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Ben. I'm with Will and Todd. We're right back. That was called in from a potato. I'm pretty sure that was a potato. I, w- I was going to make a joke and say a tin can. I think a tin can would have been clearer. <laughs> but uh, as you just heard, we will literally play whatever voicemail you leave. So do it. Do it. Oh, and um, maybe that person's name was Ben. Yeah. If it, ben Call back. Ben us another. or whomever you were, if that was you. Try to leave us another voicemail, just don't use a potato this time. <laughs> or maybe it's our potato. You know what? It, it might be us. We, we are using a 1937 rotary dial. So. <laughs> <laughs> so with that said, I've been Brent. I've been John. I've been Bob. He's been Conspiracy Bot. Stay woke, meet sex. Thanks for listening to Hysteria 51, a weekly oddcast of conspiracy theories, mysteries, and the unexplained. We'll be back again next week with more known unknowns. If you'd like us to discuss a particular topic, suggest a guest, or simply seek some truth, we'd love to hear from you. You can email the show at hysteria51podcast at yahoo.com and follow us on Twitter at hysteria51pod. You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint.